Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here. Outkick 360 rolls on. Glad you're with us. Friday edition. Chad said that yesterday felt like a Saturday to him. So today, almost game day. Almost game day. We're there. We're there. Today feels like Sunday. No. Chad's headed to the mountains. I am. After this. I am. I'm headed east to the uh, Great Smoky Mountain National Park area. Uh, I believe technically we'll be staying in Sevierville. But it's right on the Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, Gatlinburg edge. The home of Old Smokey. Home of Old Smokey. I will be on top of Old Smokey this weekend. I will mount Old Old Smokey, (laughs) and I will enjoy all of its... Old Smokey, um, Chad has entered you. I will enjoy all of its fruits, all of the fermented fruits of Old Smokey this weekend in the birthplace of Moonshine uh, and the birthplace of Old Smokey Moonshine. Got a little family reunion. This is the, the very late Christmas that we have with my mom's side of the family. They're actually watching right now, Hutton, uh, in the cabins up in awesome. Sevierville Pigeon Forge. So we say hello. Yes, hello. Hopefully they're all uh, – I'll get a text Chad if they're actually safe. still watching and paying attention. Uh, if they're not watching and paying attention, it's because they are playing this game called Train, and it is a card game. Hutton, that's the extent of my knowledge of it, other than the older people in my family will play this game for 14 hours straight. They will not stop. They love it so much. It's they, like the World Series. You're of keeping poker. a score. Uh, you know, everybody's got their score sheets out. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it is nonstop. And uh, that's all I know about the game. I'm not a big card guy. Never have been one to sit down and play cards for any extended period of time. What game do you go to? I'm a big fan of Risk. Okay. Trivial Pursuit. See, for me, it's cards. Any trivia game. We we usually have a family Trivial Pursuit game. Uh, that's died down a little bit in recent years, but it's usually young versus old. In Trivial Pursuit, and now the, the the young marker keeps creeping up. It's like 45 and below is on the young team, and then 45 <laughs> or 50 and up, whereas before it was like 25 and below was the young team. But we have a lot of fun with that. Trivial Pursuit, Risk, Monopoly, I'll play those games. I, I cannot get interested in playing cards. Were you? I, watch- I feel like I'm rare for – like I, I feel like most guys – like to have a poker game or play cards at yeah, some I point. Yeah, I feel like it was, it was poker, no but like, like growing up, that was like Uno. We'll have a, um, we'll have a with row. Rook. Rook. Yeah, that's another one. Uh, gin Rummy. Yes. Was one. But we, we have a with row men's camping uh, outing twice a year, and it's always cards at night, you know, around the campfire. And everyone wants to play cards, and I just don't play. You're the dealer. I just don't play. I'm the I'm the drinker. <laughs> I just I just sit up around the fire and hey, I'll, you, you finish that? You done with that drink there? I'll go ahead and take that one down too. I just sit and talk and enjoy Chad, the camaraderie. In the wild, wild west, cards. Chad would be the guy that comes in and just turns the table over at the yeah. saloon. Yes, screw I'm, your game. I'm the Doc Holiday, <laughs> minus winning money playing cards. Yes, uh, more of an old apothecary <laughs> would be my role on these camping trips. I've got the monocle. Out, you know, I'm ready to go. I'm like inspecting everything. People are eating and drinking the whole time. It's great. 
Some of the coaching interviews scheduled for uh, today or this weekend, the Giants, offensive coordinator Mike Kafka, uh, he is set for interviews on Sunday with the Colts, Panthers, and Texans. I don't know how you pull off all three of those. Um, you know, it, clearly the, via Zoom, but that is quite the gauntlet the day after the Giants will be playing Philadelphia tomorrow evening. Um, the Giants, their defensive coordinator, Week Martindale, so they go from OC to DC, Week Martindale interviewing as well with Indianapolis on Sunday. And 49ers defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, he's with the Broncos today. He'll be with, uh, or excuse me, he was the Broncos yesterday. He will beat the Texans today. Uh, ahead of their matchup against the, the the Cowboys. I've often thought this stretch run, if you're a coordinator or you're a, in some cases, position coach that gets the opportunity to inter- interview, I don't know how you keep up and try to balance both things and do both things well. Either interview well, especially if you're a first or second time interviewer or interviewee, I should say, when you're going through it for the first or second time, I don't know how you balance preparing for a playoff game while also preparing for the interview that could get you one of 32 head coaching jobs in the NFL. I just don't think there's any way to do it and give it justice. Like do, do the due diligence of what it would take to get ready for an interview, to know the ins and outs of an organization and have really thoughtful answers to personnel and different strategies and things like that. I mean, I feel like if you're a coordinator in today's NFL and you're getting all these looks for a, a head coaching job and they're trying to interview you during a playoff run. I mean, you almost just have to say, I mean, look at my body of work, look at our offense. Tell me if you like that. And then the interview process has to be really simple in that you're just getting a sense of whether or not I can speak when spoken to and, and communicate with people because outside of that, I'm not going to spend, if you're a coach in the NFL and your team's in the playoffs, how could you justify spending any amount of time, or headspace on preparing, looking at another team's roster, and getting ready for an interview for a team that's not in the playoffs. I just don't think you can. So, I mean, I'd be happy to meet and have a conversation so you can tell if you like me or not. I can tell if I like you. But outside of that, my answer as a coordinator would be, look at my team, look at my body of work, look at my career, ask people about me. Outside of that, I'm going to speak to you, but I'm not doing any preparation because I'm paid to be the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator for this playoff team. So I'm not taking my attention away from that. All of the general manager positions have been filled, but where we stand now, head coaching openings in the NFL, Broncos, Cardinals, Colts, Panthers, Texans. you got five of those. There are now eight offensive coordinator positions and roles open. Buccaneers, Ravens, Chargers, Titans, Patriots, Jets, Rams, and Commanders. And defensive coordinator, Dolphins, Vikings, and Falcons. It was a gauntlet of firings for OCs across the NFL. How many of these teams will promote from within versus hire from the outside in? But finding that offensive-minded coach to be the new play caller of eight new teams, that's now, the, to me, the significant hires that are about to be made. I think we kind of know Sean Payton, whenever he makes his decision, he's meeting with uh, Carolina today in New York. After that, it feels like D'Amico Ryans is going to get one of these jobs. Rich Basaccia actually interviewed recently with the Colts. Colts are interviewing a ton of, a ton of candidates. But Chad, the, the next wave that really affects the playoff push for some decent teams, Chargers, Titans, Patriots, Jets, 
commanders, uh, Ravens, offensive coordinator, and the new play caller for these veteran quarterbacks on these current rosters. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, going to be a huge decision for a lot of a lot of these teams. I'm always interested in, in what's the style, what's what's the hot route people want to go, hot route, hot route that they want to go with offense, and who are they mimicking? It's a copycat league at all times, but what is the in vogue thing to do and the direction to go and the family tree you want to go with? With coaching, it's been Sean McVay. It still you know, has any, been. Anyone to touch touch Based with Sean McVay is that's, that's the direction you go. Uh, and also that offensive system. Are we going to break away from that? I think that Cliff Kingsbury and his failure with the Cardinals isn't going to inspire many college hires of an air raid disciple anytime soon. The NFL is an example. So failure can begat non-hires from that family tree where success can begat other hires. Um, I think what's happened in Minnesota Mm. based on the Sean McVay tree, right? Uh, Mike McDaniel with Kyle Shanahan. Now, now you've got a 49ers disciple as the general manager in Nashville with the Titans, with Rand Carthon. So who are you rating? What ideas do you really want? What organizations make the most sense that you want to copycat? That's an a ever-evolving animal in the NFL, and we're going to see what that looks like now with these coordinator hires. Well, and I think what we're going to see is the, the shift of attention and focus to the NFC East. You know, the, the attention has been on the NFC West and was going to be the AFC West this season. In the NFC East, and if you look, if you think about like Shane Steichen uh, in, in Philly, Mike Kafka, who came from, he came from Kansas City, joined Brian Dayball in New York. And so it's Dayball's offense, but it's Mike Kafka that's also collaborating there and that's calling plays. And he left because Eric Bieniemy seemingly is never going to leave unless it's going to be for another OC job as he continues to interview. But he came back. Kafka went with, uh, with Dayball to New York. And so you've got the, the two, two of the top teams in the NFC East that are going to have their OCs, and in some cases their quarterback coach or their wide receiver coach, uh, interviewing for some positions uh, to, to call plays. Also, did you see the headline where um, Lamar Jackson... John Harbaugh said Lamar Jackson will be involved in the interview process for the offensive coordinator. That's search. so stupid. They're they're just handing everything I, over I just, to him. I just think that's so stupid. Um, I, look, I, Lamar Jackson seems like a really good dude. He's a great quarterback. I, I get all that. Um, that's the coach's job to hire the offensive coordinator. We're really blurring the lines here, and it's it, it's the coach's job to know what works best for his quarterback and go find a coordinator that works for his quarterback. And I would have no issue with a coach calling the quarterback and saying, hey, we're thinking about these guys, what do you think? And then asking for feedback. But bringing in Lamar Jackson or any quarterback to be in on the interview process is just dumb to me. Maybe I'm wrong. It's a a new era, I guess. I mean, it's placating to the guy that you don't want to be disgruntled. You know, because they, they, they've also said there's a 200% chance he's back. They look forward to uh, getting the negotiations going again. That was from Eric DaCosta. Harbaugh is saying he's going to be in, uh, involved in the OC process. I guess if you're going to extend him with the big money, you want him involved in some regard to the interview process. Not the interview, but the, the line of thinking of where you're going after you're, you're moving on from, you know, from what you've had and where you've been. But it's more, 
collaboration with him, I think, just to make sure that he feels like he's the face of the organization. He already is. It's also a good way of completely belittling your offensive coordinator from the start when technically you're the guy's boss as the coordinator over a quarterback, and now that guy's interviewing me (laughs) for the job. I'm having to grovel and be interviewed by the guy that I'm, I'm going to be asked to tell what to do and what plays to call, and he's supposed to run those plays no matter what. That's an odd spot to put that offensive coordinator in from the very beginning. Here's what I want Lamar Jackson to have. Veto power. Hmm. I think that's fair. Bringing him in on the interview process is very strange to me, but if I'm Lamar Jackson and I am just adamant, I don't want this guy for this reason, because the offense he runs, because of the work he's done with another quarterback I know well, or whatever, if you're strongly against a hire being made, that quarterback should have some veto power. That's where you give them say. But being in on every interview and in on that process, I think, is too much. Chad Gonzaga, 76 straight home wins, and it came to an end last night. And the power of Twitter allows us to flip on and you see the layup that allows for the upset. I wish I was watching this game live. I wasn't. Were you? Well, this is your time of night to watch a game, too. I, I was not watching it. I, I saw Twitter where people said that the, awesome. the winning streak was over at home for Gonzaga. Uh, and, I mean, look, it's 76-game home winning streak. They can't get a lot of big-time opponents to go there and play. So they have feasted on West Coast Conference opponents, and they've feasted on conference games for years now. Um, it's an impressive streak. I'd be more impressed if you know all of their big marquee non-conference games are typically true road games or neutral, neutral court for the most part. I want to see more people go out there and play them. You know, We don't see that as much. We see, we see it some, but not, not that much. I'd like to see the feels, Blue Bloods go to Spokane and play Gonzaga more often. It feels like, though, we're, going to get, we're closer to that than we've ever been with some of the scheduling across college basketball early on. Scheduling this year was awesome. Yeah, I think there are – you have to really work hard to not play a tough schedule if you're one of the Power 5 schools. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think that because you're going to get into a tournament or two where you're going to play somebody. I mean, these schools that end up going 12, 13-0 in the non-conference that play no one, that, that to me seems harder to do now than to just have a couple, two, three, four big games in your non-conference schedule. Jaden Rashada has been granted his release from Florida. The Gators have released him, five-star QB, who signed his letter of intent, then wanted out. NIL negotiations, the first open holdout um, in college football in regards to name, image, likeness. He has now opened up his recruiting yet again. Who knows? Maybe Ole Miss lands in. They're landing everyone else. Every other quarterback's going there. I mean... Originally committed to Miami last June, and at the time, he... Committed over Florida, Ole Miss, A&M. There was one other, LSU. Maybe LSU goes after him now because they've, you know, they've got Walker who just went to Ole Miss. Well, he's going to have to get paid. We know that wherever he goes. And that was probably going to be the case. Anyway, we had Shane and Terry in earlier this week. He said something that was very, very interesting to me. He said that get out of your mind that these guys are picking schools based solely off of NIL. They're simply the top elite guys are picking from a pool of NIL schools. So that narrows the list down. They're only deciding amongst schools where they're going to get paid NIL money, right? That's not the sole determining factor 
for many of these guys. And I believe that. Now, I also think there are some that it probably does just come down to NIL. And even if it's you know 20,000 more, they want to go to the highest bidder, no matter what. I don't think it's that often, but I do think that probably happens with, with some prospects. I'm just interested to see where this ends now with Rashada, with the Gator Collective. Does he go quietly and just not get paid and go somewhere else? Is there a lawsuit filed? Does this affect Florida with other recruits? Does this affect the Gator Collective's mindset and how they handle their money and what they promise to recruits? Because yeah. if the reports of $13 million for four years are true, that is way too much money. Shannon Terry sat there and told us that. that he doesn't even believe it. They would have been so dumb to offer him that. But that's multiple reports saying there's a signed contract that said that that the Gator Collective tried to get out of. The Gator Collective hurt their football program in this. Mm-hmm. No other way around it. Whatever yeah, happened. Perception is reality. Perception is reality, and they lost a blue-chip quarterback, and they needed one badly in this class, given you know their other backup quarterback is going to prison, and then they had another guy leave, and they've got now Graham Mertz. No one's excited about that mm. for one year. So it's a tough spot right now for Florida. Coming up, John McClain will join us. We'll dive into the matchups for the divisional round. Hit the coaching interview headlines as well. John McClain, Gallery Sports, joins us next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Live from Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us, Hutton Withrow. And John McClain, gallerysports.com, McClain. joins us. Time to preview the divisional round across the NFL. Head coaching interviews. The Titans have introduced their new general manager and more. John, hope you're doing well, man. Guys, I'm doing great. If I was any greater, it'd be illegal, and I hope you <laughs> are too. Same here. Um, John, I hope you're getting to something illegal this weekend, honestly. Yeah. Just go ahead. Do something do illegal. Yeah, they, I mean, you're feeling so good right now. Let's just go ahead and break a few laws this weekend. No problem. Yeah, my, wife is, my wife is out of town. The perfect time, be to, the break time laws. to do it. Yeah. Wives are always telling us not to break the law, and it really brings us down. So, yeah, break the law this weekend, John. We give you permission. Go ahead. John, this is uh, your favorite weekend of the year because of the divisional matchups. Traditionally, the most competitive games across the board in the NFL. Which game can you not wait to kick off? Truthfully, I'm excited about all of them, but as anybody from Texas and somebody who's been covering the NFL as long as I do, it's the Cowboys at the 49ers. Uh, I was at the catch. Dwight Clark made his great catch, streaking across the back of the end zone from Joe Montana. I was actually standing behind the end line. The media was on the sidelines, ready to go to the dressing room. Afterward, I was wearing a long coat, and I didn't weigh quite as much as I do now. And I've tried to show my wife, that's me, that's me. No, that's not you. <laughs> and uh, But that is me back there caught in a crowd of people. And when I watched Dwight Clark run in front of me, I, I asked my columnist, I said, where the bleep? And boom, Clark caught it. Some people still think he was trying to throw it out of the end zone. Of course, Montana doesn't say that. 
And it was the moment that changed the 49ers franchise. And uh, I remember another time when I was getting married for the first time, it was a rehearsal dinner in Waco, and I wouldn't go in. I was in the car listening to the 49ers and the Cowboys play in the playoffs, and the Cowboys were getting beat until their kicker, Tony Fridge, executed the greatest onside kick in history as a former soccer player in Austria. He went up. He planted his left foot on the other side of the ball and brought his right foot behind his left calf and kicked the onside kick back to the left. They covered. Roger Staubach pulled out a miracle before the Hail Mary in Minnesota in 75, and that was an incredible victory. They owned the 49ers in the playoffs back then. Now the 49ers have won the last two playoff games. Cowboys have won the last three regular season games. D'Amico Ryans, who I know very well, 49ers defensive coordinator, who is interviewing today with the Texans for the head coaching job. I would love to see him and Kyle Shanahan and another former group of Texans assistants win this game. What can this run do for the perception of Dak Prescott? This time last week, everybody's doing this, just wringing their hands. They're so worried about which Dak is going to show up, good Dak or bad Dak. And he'd been the bad one. And then he came out and played one of the greatest games in history, four touchdown passes, one rushing. And he's tremendous. He's such a class act. Other than the fact he he plays for the Cowboys, I think most people would pull for him because he's been a really good guy, ambassador for the Cowboys in the game. I was happy for him. And I do believe with the – Cowboys having the second most sacks and the most turnovers, they're going to get all over Brock Purdy. The key is they have to get a lead and take the 49ers running game out of the equation so they can get after him. But nobody's been able to do that because the 49ers have a tremendous running game. John, who do you have more faith to play big in this big moment, Brock Purdy or Dak Prescott, even given Dak's performance last week? Well, I think – Cadillac, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it'd be Prescott because he's been in this situation more. There's nothing Brock Purdy did at Iowa State, except maybe when he got beat by Baylor, anything of this magnitude. And he, people keep expecting him to have a bad game or be in a situation where they can't run the ball and he has to throw it all the time. And I, people are trying to make excuses like, well, he threw that short pass to McCaffrey or Debo Samuel, and they went – the distance. All quarterbacks do that. The kid's been incredible. 6-0 is a starter. Played almost a full game the first time he came off the bench. When Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, he, uh, he's he got a good chance he should of being rookie of the year. I think he'll finish third in the voting for offensive rookie of the year. And he's been tremendous. And people think, well, they'll trade Trey Lance. They're not going to trade Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo's leaving. They're not going to have Brock Purdy, after half a season, say beyond a shadow of a doubt, he's the starter. They'll have some great competition in camp next year between Purdy and Lance, who Kyle Shanahan played, paid dearly for. Here's why I asked the, even asked the question, John. It's a kind of a believe-it-when-I-see-it type thing. I've seen Dak Prescott fail in the NFL in big moments many, many times. We've yet to see that with Brock Purdy. As crazy as it sounds, and it's a very small <laughs> sample size – the dude is batting a thousand, 
right now in, in big moments. And every time I think that, oh, now he's going to look like Mr. Irrelevant in this game, he's making unbelievable play after unbelievable play. Uh, it's been remarkable watching this guy so far. Now also acknowledge could be a very different challenge with this Cowboys defense on Sunday. Cowboys defense allowed fewest points in the league, best defense by far in the playoffs. But the Cowboys got a pretty good big play defense themselves. 49ers got to run the ball, keep Purdy out of long situations. You know, he he moves really well to wait for receivers to get open. He's done a good job of finding them. He doesn't throw balls where you go, oh, my God, why did he do that? Kyle Shanahan and the unsung hero, first-year quarterback coach Brian Greasy, who was in the media with ESPN. Kyle Shanahan hired him to coach quarterbacks. He Kyle coaches a starter, so Greasy started coaching a rookie, and he has done a tremendous job without getting any credit, and a lot of credit goes to Greasy, and no telling how much this will help him end up with an offensive coordinator's job at some point. Now, um, Purdy, I admire the heck of what he's, do, what he's done, but there was no quarterback last weekend under more pressure than Prescott was, and he came through. People say, well, Purdy's under, Purdy's under a lot of pressure. No, he's not. He's a rookie. You know, if he throws five interceptions, nobody's going to be mad at him. He's met the expectations and gone beyond, I think, the quarterback this weekend who has the most pressure on him is Josh Allen. He's at home. He's favored. He had three turnovers in the last game, two interceptions, fumble return for a touchdown. I think that Josh Allen has got more pressure on him this week than any quarterback in the divisional round. John, I'm I'm betting heavy the Bengals over the Bills. Am I, you can go ahead and tell me I'm an idiot. You're not an idiot. A lot of people are riding with the Bengals. They're playoff tested. They're, they've played under pressure last year. They've got the winning streak going. But what worries me, when you have three starters out in your offensive line, that that hurts. That hurts the running game, and their running game hasn't been good lately. It hurts the pass protections. Fortunately, Joe Burrow's got three really good receivers. But, man, nobody knows more than the Titans what can happen when you have not just one injury in the offensive line or two, when you have multiple injuries and what that effect can have. I picked in my column for gallerysports.com, I picked the four home teams because I couldn't pick a, an upset. I thought, well, the Cowboys, yeah, they can pull an upset. Somebody said the Jaguars, ah, they're out of miracles. That dream's going to die at Arrowhead Stadium. And then I thought if the Bengals were at full strength, I might pick them, but I went with the Bills. But if the Bengals win, I will not be surprised. There's always a surprise, though, this weekend. It's tough to beat a team three times in a single season. What chance do you give the Giants over the Eagles? A lot of people are picking the Giants because the Giants have a lot of heart. They have a lot of guts. They don't have a lot of talent. I think that uh, the Eagles haven't played real well. And it's because Jalen Hurts missed two games. Then he came back and he was rusty. Well, now he's healthy. They've got the high-scoring team in the playoffs. They've got a good defense, great balance between the run and the pass. And I think Jalen Hurts will run. Uh, this is the first time we've ever had a game with two quarterbacks with at least 600 yards rushing during the season competing against each other in playoffs. Brian Dable's going to be 
uh, coach of the year, but I think Philadelphia has that buy and the home field advantage for a reason. Great wide receivers. The pass rush, 70 sacks, four players in double figures. The only team in history that had more sacks was the Bears in two seasons. I think Philadelphia is going to send them home with a sweep. My biggest question is if this is even going to be a, a game in the fourth quarter, is can Daniel Jones repeat that performance we saw in Minnesota against this Eagles defense? What about that, John? Are you buying Daniel Jones right now? Clearly, he's going to be the guy moving forward for the Giants, and he played well this season, but what's your level of faith in Daniel Jones right now? I have a lot of faith in him, but his play caller, Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, plus his head coach, Brian Dable, but they made him his running such a prominent part of the game plan to win that first game uh, over Minnesota. And I think that they're not going to catch the Eagles by surprise. The Eagles will be ready for him on the run-pass options to fake the handoff. Instead of pass, he keeps it. I think that gives them free reign to hit him a lot. And their defense is great. You know, they want to they contain the run and force him to pass so those linemen can get after him. And uh, I think the Eagles could win this game handily and uh, because I think it wouldn't bother me to see the Eagles and the Chiefs or the 49ers and the Chiefs because the 49ers and the Chiefs would be great offense, great defense, and uh, and but I wouldn't have a problem with the Eagles, and they are hot right now. They got a lot to prove because people have been denigrating them because of the way they played down the stretch, but there was a pretty good reason. They did not have their quarterback, and you guys know in Nashville, all the bad that can happen when you don't have your quarterback. A year ago, Joe Burrow in year two had his huge moment going to Arrowhead and winning the AFC Championship game and getting to a Super Bowl. Are we about to witness Trevor Lawrence's big moment in Arrowhead in this game in year two as the Jags quarterback? I don't buy it. It's not, you know, it was a great victory. It was more of a choke job by the Chargers than it was. I'm not taking away from the comeback. But when you blow a lead like that, you contribute a lot to it. And Lawrence picks up where he left off in that game. It'll be a great shootout between him and Patrick Mahomes. But if he plays anything like he did in the first half when he threw his four interceptions before the touchdown pass at the end of the first half, they're going to get stomped. You know, I, I think, as I said earlier, the dream dies. I think the Chiefs are good. I think the Chiefs, because of Mahomes, going to be the MVP, Andy Reid. Wins this game, he'll be only coach in history with more playoff victories than Andy will be. Bill Belichick, I think it's going to be fun, but I look for the Chiefs to win this one handily like they did during the regular season. John McClain with us on Outkick 360. John, uh, how realistic is Houston as a possible spot for Sean Payton? I've had two people really close to him tell me that he wanted to be here, but you know, you got to pay $20 million a year. Only coach that's in that neighborhood is Bill Belichick. Peyton's worth it if he can get it, but I don't hold it against the Texans or anybody if they don't give him $20 million a year. You also have to have compensation. It's a first-round pick for Peyton from the Texans. Word is they want two first-round picks. I'm guessing that's from Carolina. Why they would even allow him to interview with Carolina is beyond me because if he goes to the Panthers and they got a lot of pieces in place, and they get a quarterback, 
then they're going to rule that division, and it's not going to be the Saints. This time next year, I think the Saints will be looking for a head coach. And Peyton has told his friends he likes the fact they've got 11 picks, two number ones this year, 10 picks, two number ones. Next year, they have a lot of cap space to spend on veteran free agents. He would have control, but it wouldn't be in his contract. Nick Casario would still have final say, but uh, they said Peyton wants a GM he can work with. And Casario's not an egomaniac. He worked well with Lovey Smith and David Culley, according to them. So I don't know if they're going to get him. People here want D'Amico Ryans in a landslide because he's one of the best, most popular players in franchise history. And they're seeing him every weekend with a great defense, and they're going to see him again this weekend. And I hope his interview goes well by Zoom today, and they bring him in for an in-person interview next. So do you think it's one of the two that's the next head coach there? Now, nationally, they think it's going to be Eagles defense coordinator Jonathan Gannon. He he interviewed two times last year. Levy Smith got promoted. Obviously, he didn't hold it against the Texans because he's interviewed again. I know they like him. Uh, because they had a defensive coach, I'm leaning toward an offensive coach. And Shane Steichen, Eagles offensive coordinator, calls plays, got the most balanced offense in the NFL. He's done well. When, and Jalen Hurts is not – he's not tall, but he's not small. But he knows how to use a mobile quarterback. And if they get Bryce Young, he's a mobile quarterback. So I wouldn't have a problem with Steichen, Gannon, if it's not D'Amico Ryans or Sean Payton. Look at this through Sean Payton's eyes, John, if you will. We had this exercise yesterday. Give me your one, two, and three desired destinations – if you're Sean Payton, of the of the ones that are possible, that's out there. If the money's equal in these spots, where would you want to go based on quarterback setup or high draft pick or whatever criteria you want to throw in there? Denver can offer the most money because of the Walmart money. He's got George Payton as the GM. There was a lot of thought he was going to Arizona because he could bring his own GM with him. They hired Monty Austin for it. Here they got Nick Casario. Carolina, they have Scott Fitterer. I think that if all of them offered him $20 million a year, Carolina needs the least. They can run the ball. They have a good defense. If maybe Tom Brady is going to go there. You know, Mike Florio has written a million times on Pro Football Talk that Peyton and Brady were going to Miami last year. And then before the Brian Florio's lawsuit, and then the league took away the Dolphins' number one pick, so it must have been true. So Brady's contract is up. If Peyton goes to Carolina, will he bring Tom Brady as his quarterback and both of them dominate a division with their former team? So I'd say the Panthers. John, a headline from Mike Florio reads, the NFL is telling us without telling us that neutral site conference championships may become the norm. What do you think about the idea of the NFL going to this format full-time and not just having a Super Bowl on a neutral site, but both conference championship games being neutral site as well. That's been kicked around for quite a while. The league's always been against it. You know, so what? They sold 50,000 tickets to the state Mercedes-Benz Stadium because they have the, the Bills and the Chiefs. I like the fact that you spend 18 weeks at 17 games to get home field advantage. It ought to count for something besides a buy. Maybe I'm just old-fashioned, but I like the way it's set up now. And the home team doesn't always win, as we saw last year with uh, Kansas City. So I like it the way it is. I don't want to diminish 
winning a conference championship. I'm with you, John. What do you make of the Ron, uh, excuse me, the Rand Carthon hire here in Nashville? Coming from San Francisco, he had the introductory press conference earlier today, where he will. Uh, the, the key word and phrase they used was collaborate, collaboration with both he and Mike Vrabel, and uh, we still don't know who has final say over personnel. Well, first of all, uh, if one, if they, you never want an owner to have final say over personnel because no owner knows enough to pick between the two. If you have big disputes of something, that's when you may have to go to the owner. I saw that here with Rick Smith and Bill O'Brien. As soon as O'Brien was hired in 2014, he tried to get personnel away from Rick Smith, and eventually he got it away from his successor, Brian Gain. And uh, if it's a guy like, like say, Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, Sean Payton in New Orleans, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, those guys all have final say on personnel. You know, I see people, oh, man, John Lynch did a great job getting him. And John Lynch scouted him, but Kyle Shanahan made the decision. And I, if I'm Rand Cawthorn, whose name, because of his dad, um, Maurice Cawthorn, he's been in the football family his whole life. He's been in the NFL since he's 25 or 26. He's had an opportunity to interview, and I've talked to people in the 49ers organization. So most of them come from the Texans about D'Amico Ryan's. And when I talked to them this week after they hired him, they were very complimentary. They said it was just a matter of time before he was hired as a general manager. just a matter of who was it going to be. John, enjoy the weekend. We can't wait for kickoff starting tomorrow, and we'll recap with you next week. I'm like you guys. I'm pumped about this weekend. I'm night before these games. I can't sleep. I'm like a kid on Christmas morning. And I look forward to talking to you guys again next week. Thank you very much. Nice seeing you. Always yeah, great having you on, John. Enjoy Gallery breaking those laws this weekend. Com. Yes, Thanks, right. buddy. Gallerysports.com. Should, we should have asked him, um, Mattress Mac, where the big bet money was this weekend. Just follow that. Well, I mean, Mattress Mac is the big bet money. He just, whatever he places, that's, that's what, uh, what he, I want to know. He's moving Vegas one way or the other. I want to know what line he changed. Yeah, yeah. Which, this game went from four and a half to four. So <laughs> we that's how we know what Mattress yeah. Mac was betting. Yeah, he did. Uh, coming up, more headlines. We've got the uh, Michigan co-offensive coordinator who is out uh, based on the investigation and charges his way. And the Ivan Provorov story from yesterday that we hit, and it's been dominating the NHL headlines. You know, it all comes down to the attention that we as the sports media is putting on of these, these nights. Every night at an arena across uh, their, their league, people are keeping attendance keeping roster status on who's coming out and who's not during warm-ups. We'll discuss we, that. We honor the indigenous people of North yeah. America next when on OutKick 360. No one's showing up to watch warm-ups. The media is there to keep attendance. Yep. That's next on OutKick 360. Call. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up. Withrow's Neighborhood Turf Wars. 
Outkick 360 rolls today. on. We teased it two days ago. There will be blood. And it's happening today. I would not bring anything from my personal life to the show <laughs> okay. unless it was absolutely show-worthy. And what is taking place in my neighborhood in a suburb of Nashville, Tennessee right now is nothing short of what we saw Daniel Day-Lewis go through in Gangs of New York with yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. That's what's about to square off in my hood the very rabbits. soon. We'll, we'll explain. It's happening. Butcher, butcher Bob? Bob the Butcher? Bill. Buffalo Bill? Bill the Butcher? Bill the Butcher. Bill the Butcher. That's it. I know if I said enough nicknames, eventually Don't you quiz me on me. DiCaprio film. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, we'll, you can quiz me on these posts from Facebook later. Yes, this will be fun. I feel like there's going to be... We need like slap fighting happening in your neighborhood next. We'll call. We'll do the play-by-play. It could get physical at some point in this, uh, <laughs> this neighborhood. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. I think it already has based yeah. on the topic. We're going to redact some names and redact the location of where I live while explaining a showdown that is taking place. Showdown in the media with the NHL. The, 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 the league itself doesn't care what Ivan Provorov elected to do by staying in the locker room instead of going out in warm-ups wearing the Pride Night uniform, the sweater. Um, but in and of itself, Chad, the night, quote-unquote, that they have, these appreciation nights, leads to media members taking attendance, roll call, of who does and does not support this warm-up. And there's, what, maybe a 1,000 people in attendance for this warm-up at the time before you actually yeah. get going? so Matt Regal at OutKick wrote a great piece on this about um, the NHL basically taking you know progressive uh, charities and deciding to partner with them and you know to be, quote-unquote, woke – with their messaging and, and different things like this. Now, some of what they are doing, we ran through the list of charities yesterday. It's not all uh, Pride Night. You know, there's, yeah. I joke, but there's an Indigenous People Night. There's Latin Americans in hockey. Well, there's the individual teams all these choose different what they things. want to do. Yeah, it's performative, I think, is the problem most sports fans have with it. At least it seems very performative. Mm -hmm. It's like they're trying to align themselves with what they see with the majority of media. And it just comes across as phony. Well, they also sell these jerseys. And and their response, though, to Provorov, I have to say, encourages me. Because they very yeah. much took his side and said, we're not going to force anyone to do anything that they don't want right. to do with this. It's an initiative to bring people into hockey. But I, I thought Matt Regal said it best. We said, you know, hockey is for everyone. What many don't want to acknowledge is everyone includes Ivan Provorov. That's everyone. So even if you disagree with certain things or your religion conflicts with something, well, that's included in everyone. For yeah, they the sport want it of to. Hockey. Yeah, they, it includes everyone as long as that person agrees with your line of thinking. They want people to regurgitate their talking points of whatever that may be. I just look at it and think it just rings so hollow. It just it's it's so clear what's trying to be done. But I do think that the NHL with the, their response to all this shows me they're probably looking around and thinking. We kind of got ourselves in a little bit of a situation now that's one guy that's not doing it. But if we continue down this road, there may be more. And it's just the, the risk is not worth the reward of what's going on, of this performance of showing everyone that you're for everyone. Did the NHL have some problem not allowing people buy tickets to go in the arena before? I, I've never noticed a problem of... No, but that, I mean, I can't they are very game. sensible in their overall process of allowing the teams to determine what they want to and don't support. 
when I say support, like actually have the, the nights on the calendar where they're going to do this. It's not the league mandate that you have to do it. And it's certainly they're telling us that they're also not making the players participate in it. I think what they're telling us with the response is moving forward, we don't really care as much as maybe we've let on on our website and with this night. Could be wrong. Well, but but it, again, it's up to the individual market to place the care factor on it. It's not up. The, the league is just saying, do what you want. Yeah. No, that, that, and that's what I laid out all the different charities represented. Yeah. They can, the hockey is for everyone initiative. Each member team can pick whatever cause they want and have a specific night for that. It just so happens to be the Philadelphia Flyers chose this is what they wanted to support that night. And then you've got a Russian Orthodox player from Russia who said, yeah, I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to go out there. And he played in the game. The Flyers won, and then after the game, it becomes a story because he's asked about it. And I understand why, why he's asked about it from reporters because it did blow up into a story. I, I just I feel like the NHL could have made this an even bigger story if they responded and talked about discipline to Provorov or anything like that. They didn't. I think this thing will probably go away. Nor did the Flyers. For that reason. Oh, yeah, his coach, John Tortorella, had his back the entire time. Yeah. His teammates, to our knowledge, have his back. So I do think this is probably going to go away. And maybe this Hockey is for Everyone campaign eventually goes away next season, too. You can read more about this at outkick.com. Coming up, we've got the latest injury reports across the NFL for the divisional round. And Prime, Dion getting it done at Colorado. More on that next. Outkick 360 rolls on.